podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're struggling to remember what game week four was like before this international break, it was all about hat-tricks and the continuation of clean sheet wipeouts. Well, ahead of this season's first Saturday deadline, let's pick out the best defensive options, if there are any, for upcoming weeks. Hello and welcome to the FPL podcast, where we embrace everything about the world of fantasy football. I am Mark Jobling, and with me, as always, is Lewis from FPL Reactions. How are you, Lewis? How was your two-week break? Really busy, actually, Mark. Uh, moving, we've got the Champions League coming up. So, yeah, usually international break is, is pretty um, quiet for me, and it's a, a time to rest up. But, yeah, not this time. But I'm, I am also glad to be back. Yeah, it's sort of the, the, the first week or those those first days, especially, uh, it, there's a sort of relief to it, certainly from a work perspective. Uh, and when the transfer window closed as well, it, it, there was definitely a, a relief when that Friday deadline hit. But as the second week moves on, it, it, there is just like an eagerness to get back into it. So yeah, we're, we're straight back into it. On a Saturday deadline, Saturday lunchtime as well, um, 11 a.m. UK time before Wolves v Liverpool at 12.30. How how was your game week four? How did your team do? Well, I think it was a pretty high scoring average week, wasn't it? I think the average was 72 points. So obviously most most people who, who got around that had a, had a pretty... Okay, week I I um, got seventy eight points. Um, I think it was a slight move from two hundred twenty five k to two hundred eighteen k, so not huge kind of um, rank boost, but still, you know, still a, a gain of some sorts, I suppose, in in, in quite a high scoring week. I um, I started in doggy this week, who um, who picked up five points. So he was he was one of the highlights uh, amongst them. Also at Rashford. We were worried about the Manchester United assets, weren't we? At, mm-hmm. at one point, and and Rashford, he seems to have found some sort of form now, as well. Uh, had Brian and ba- and Bumo, um, who hit eight points. He scored right near the end of the game, which was quite lucky actually, because it might have been a a kind of lesser good week for me. I transferred mm-hmm. in Madison this week as well, and he hit seven points, so he kind of met. Um, expectations, not as many as Son, but um, but yeah, he still still picked up some points, and obviously Harlan captaincy with forty points. I mean, we talk about Harlan captaincy forty points if it's if it's normal, and that's because it is. But but also feel very sorry for anyone who didn't captain Harlan. One 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 thing I just do want to add to that actually is that I so last last week we talked about me benching Destiny Udogi. And he was my first substitute and he, he picked up 12 points. And this week I've managed to do exactly the same with Cameron Archer. Uh, he was my first sub and, hit, and he hit 12 points. He obviously got a bit of luck with the, with the you know, the goal past Jordan Pickford. Um, he, I think he got the assist from that and obviously scored a good goal as well. So overall a good week for him. But yeah, I mean, seeing another 12 points on the, um, on the, on the bench is a, is a tough, uh, tough watch. Yeah, same here. But most of that was exactly the same. It, it's a shame that you know your captain scores a hat trick and, and gets an assist, and you can't even celebrate that anymore. That, that's sort of a real shame. And mm. yeah, same as you had had Archer's twelve points on the bench, Turner's clean sheet on the bench. 
actually had Estepinian as first substitute, and that was as well as Newcastle being destroyed by Brighton. It was already a pretty grim afternoon for me, but then having Estepinian on the verge of a clean sheet on the bench was just, was just oh. shaking, shaking mm. the head. So when Wilson scored the consolation goal, I sort of reacted a bit over the top in the bar, which might have got a few looks. Um, simply because he lost his clean sheet. And that that just, I, I seem to get the Udogi thing wrong every week. So it had his, like you sort of had that 12 point haul stuck on the bench, mm. brought him in this week. Spurs concede straight away. It was like, oh no, it's going to happen again. But, you know, he did get an assist, which was all right. And Estepinian did concede. So that in the end worked out fine. Buying Madison instead of Sterling worked out fine. Um, and in general, yeah, it was an okay. I think you got 78, I got 77. Um, and there's two points between us overall. So Ooh. it was, yeah, just to add a bit of, it's a bit of added bit of drama to it. But uh, it sounds like we've got very similar teams anyway, so so not that much drama. Um, we, we need to sort of make make them different for the for the sake of this podcast. <laughs> Well, we might just do that, looking at our plans ahead, maybe, potentially. Potentially, yeah. Um, the high, So the highest individual hauls of the, of the game week were both the 20 points of Haaland and Sun. And I believe they're the biggest individual hauls of the season so far. Uh, Evan Ferguson, his hat-trick, only got 17 points. Um, and he had Alvarez, 14. Quite a few people. Um, I think Alvarez was semi-popular on the scene and that was a great decision because it was pretty pretty differential 14 points for him yeah i think a lot a few people did go for the likes of phone and alvarez didn't they and don't get me wrong i did consider it i just there's always that little bit of hesitation with manchester city assets though isn't there totally and that's probably about a step up once uh they got they bought a couple of players late on which Probably wasn't going to get them involved against Fulham, but now it's a couple of weeks later. Got a couple of new players, Champions League coming up. Um, but well done for those who got the points now, but it might soon be time to believe that. And the most bought players this week, uh, this, this fortnight, Son, Madison, Alvarez. Christian Romero has returned in every match so far. Spender, uh, Evan Ferguson, and then the most sold. No, no, no player has had a huge amount of sales. It's it's been fairly okay this week, without any sort of injuries it's causing a mass abandonment. But Nicholas Jackson, most sold, um, which in a way is understandable. It's it's like, do you go with the underlying stats or do you go with? the things that are happening in reality, like that miss against Forrest. Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> it was awful, that, wasn't it? That it was, was um, it was a tap-in, wasn't it, pretty much? And uh, But yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with Nicholas Jackson is he's he's getting the chances. The stats are there to back him up. And if the thing is, if, if you keep getting big chances, you're bound to score one, no matter how bad you are. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think I think he he's he's getting in the right areas. He's doing the right things. We just need to see some actual goals now from him, don't we? That that would be the plan. Yeah, it would. Um, and yeah, for those tempted to, for example, one of the big stories, big-ish stories of the international break was the announcement of a double game week seven, 
for Luton and Burnley. Their mm. match that was postponed for game week two has been moved pretty early on. Um, and looks okay for both of them, but Luton in particular, there's always a asterisk with them because they are having a bad time of it so far. So it, games that look good for them look even better for the opponent. Um, but they have an okay game week six match and then they play it twice in seven. So anyone who's maybe tempted to get, for example, a Callum Morris for Nicholas Jackson, is is it still, is that a trap? Because Jackson does have Bournemouth next. And as you say, he is on one level doing it. He's just not quite scoring. Yeah, no, I, I do think we should stick with Jackson. Um, you know, he's the, the thing is with Jackson, he's got the minutes. You know he's going to be playing every single game for Chelsea. Um, Chelsea have actually got pretty good underlying data, both defensively and defensively as well. Um, so I think they rank around, around the top four teams for, for, for a lot of key kind of data points, both defence and attack. And, and I, just, I just think that, if Jackson, like I said before, earlier, if he's getting into these positions, um, he's going to score eventually. And it, it's not, it's similar to Darwin. You know, Darwin used to get a lot of big chances, he used to miss a lot. We also had rotation. Jackson doesn't have rotation. Um, I, I just feel with, with the Chelsea fixtures I had, you know, they've got Bournemouth, Chelsea got Bournemouth, Fulham, and Burnley. So they're, they're pretty much playing some of the, some of the worst, or some of the worst defences so far mm-hmm. in the league. Albeit, obviously, Chelsea don't exactly look majorly convincing. But there have been times where we've seen Chelsea play really well this season offensively. You know, like against Liverpool, they had chances. Um, Luton, obviously, dismantled Luton. And then, obviously, look, uh, you know, uh, West Ham played the perfect game against Chelsea. Um, and so did Nottingham Forest. So, I do think, if, if, I do think Chelsea are better... Um, when they play teams that attack them. And I think some of the teams they're facing coming out, Bournemouth, Villa, you know, and, and, and probably Burnley as well. I do, I do think all of those teams will come out to attack Chelsea. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping, especially Bournemouth. So I think I think if we see Chelsea assets explode against Bournemouth, I think it's pretty obvious that, that Chelsea are, are better against teams who attack them rather than, you know, just sitting um, like Nottingham Forest. Luton were just really, really poor. So, but you're going back to your original question, I probably wouldn't sell Nicholas Jackson for Carlton Morris. Like, I do really like the Luton double of Evan and Burnley. I think if you, if you, you can't really ask for better double gaming fixtures than that, really, can you? I mean, there's a couple of teams maybe, but Everton away and Burnley at home, I think quite good fixtures for Luton. Like they've not again, they've not been great. Um but I do think there's a couple of options in that Luton side that you could that you could um go for. Yeah, totally. And a lot of teams have a cheap Luton defender as, as their fifth. Um with without a plan to ever really play them, but that could give slight consideration to a start, maybe if if one of your sort of big defenders like like Chilwell or Stupin. Well, that's the opinion game week six has Bournemouth, but uh, if one of the other popular defenders has a poor fixture, it's very feasible to play a Luton or Burnley defender um, for like a one-off week, uh, if that's the time. But yeah, 
Um, so that's good. On I'm a, I, I've been tweeting about Lyle Foster, but I don't think it's really picked up as a bandwagon. Um, he's five million, Great. Burnley striker, started all three matches, scored twice, and for those wanting to do a wild card around game week nine or so, Burnley's fixtures actually get all right from then, so he could almost be playable. And the transfer window's closed, so they're not buying anybody else. So um, I feel like I'm trying to convince myself there, though. Because <laughs> other stuff no, it, I mean, just obviously touching upon Luton again, you, you have mentioned Carlton Morris already. You know, he's on pans. He is the focal point to their attack. You, you'd think if Luton, a Luton, if Luton are going to score, Morris is going to be amongst the goals, isn't he? Yeah, well, it, it does. he does have a talisman sort of aura to him yeah yeah um other things over the international break um touchwood seem so far back by by our thursday recording there's, there's doesn't seem to really be any injuries that have come up there was a slight scare online that son just after his hat trick um had been seen with uh, ice on his knee but not only is that a fairly everyday thing for football as he then played all all 90 minutes for South Korea the next day. Actually, well, he, he was substituted in stoppage time, but yeah, he reached 90 minutes. And it was at St. James's Park as well, so there's no issue with flights or late arrivals. Uh, the, the, the train from Newcastle to London isn't the greatest, but it's definitely quicker than a, than a flight from halfway around the world. Uh, Erling Haaland, sort of, he, he sort of had like an impact injury where he was sort of limping around for a few minutes for Norway, but then he ran it off and he completed the whole match. So, so he's fine. Um, Udogi for precautionary reasons, like had an illness. So he was left out of things for the early under 21s, but he mm-hmm. seems to be okay. Trent Alexander Arnold, slight knock in game week four left, left, left at home on the safe side. Marcelo Bielsa did sort of say that Darwin Nunez had a sort of a muscle issue and was removed at half time for Uruguay. That's the only thing that might be um, an injury, but even then, yeah. we're, we're talking to a very small percentage of managers there. Um, yeah. Do any of the late sort of transfer deadline day moves take your fancy? There was there was things like I don't know Fatty to to Brighton. Brennan Johnson, Cole Palmer, Johnny Evans to Manchester United, nothing. Yeah, nothing that nothing that really I mean, I do like Antifati as a player. Obviously, he's young, we've seen him play, he's a great he's a great asset. The only issue with that is is that Brighton are buying a lot of attackers at the moment, so it's kind of, it's difficult, isn't it? We yeah, there may be potentially a wait and see for now. Obviously they've got Already some really good attackers with Toma March, you know, so there's plenty of um, depth there. So, but yeah, I think he's he's potentially a wait and see. You've got obviously the likes of Lacademos to Nottingham Forest, who could also cause some, mm. um, some problems for managers because obviously Matt Turner, I can't see him um, staying as number one with Lacademos there. And um, Lacademos, uh, great goalkeeper, Benfica's number one for a long time. Yeah, you don't leave Benfica. You don't. You don't leave a Champions League Benfica number one spot to become Forest backup, do you? Really? Yeah, exactly. So I think it's only a matter of time before um, we have um, a problem with Matt Turner. I say we owners that is like me. 
it's true. Um, Brennan Johnson at Spurs, that, that that as an FPL option, that's it's a good option for Spurs, but all it does is add confusion. I mean, it might be Kulisevsky's spot that he takes, but people aren't going to jump on Johnson right now, especially when there's already two other Spurs attackers fighting for our attention. Uh, yeah. Beto at Everton, I don't know, there's something about him. I, I, I wrote a scout report for him for, for the main site and... Uh, he could he could be he could be interesting in fairness. He he sort of he's both tall and fast. He he does have a lot of things. He worked in he was still working in KFC a few years ago. So he has a lot about him. It's just the the Everton part of that that's the problem. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, you know, he had a good he had a quite a good season for uh you today as last uh, like it was last season, wasn't it? I think he got ten goals. Um obviously I watch a lot of Serie A. Uh, football, I, I, he did. He does kind of fit the profile for a Premier League um, player. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. But obviously, he got a goal in the car. It was against Doncaster. People don't like you know talking about <laughs> big teams so, sc- scoring against lesser teams in the car. But he, you know, it's good for confidence. And um, yeah, we'll see see what kind of impact he can make up on Everton. Do you think Cole Palmer, um, if he's You'd think he's joined Chelsea because he's been told he'll get more football. Do you think it would be enough football to justify being an FPL option? He's, he's 4.9. So if, if you can get a Chelsea attacking option for 4.9, that 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 could be brilliant. But is there a big question mark certainly right now? Or yeah. Yeah, I think... You know he's he's still quite young. He's twenty one years old. He you know he he has shown um, kind of a lot of quality for Manchester City. His international break was impressive as well because obviously he plays for the England on his twenty ones. He got a goal and an assist against Luxembourg. So he's he's kind of in form. He also scored in the Super Cup for Manchester City if you can remember, and he also scored mm. against Arsenal in the Community Shield. So. You know he's got goals in him, and and that is something that that Chelsea need at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits in um, at this point. You know, I think he I think he's played on the right side um, for for kind of well so far. You know, but I think he's he's quite like um he's quite adaptive. He can fit anywhere in the front in the front three. So you'd assume that um, if Chelsea continue the way they are, we could we could see him probably feature this week and if he does well, start next time. But um, yeah, totally unsure on Palmer, but the the, the quality he has is, is pretty undeniable, um, to be honest. So over on our fantasyfootballcommunity.com website, we have put up all of our regular features, the ones you would see every week. Um, and that includes coverage of uh, sort of European leagues like Bundesliga, Serie A, Gaffer. And Lewis, it's a big week for you in particular with, with the Champions League's return. That That's sort of an area that you are sort of king of. You, yeah. Lots of Champions yeah. League. What, what sort of things have you been up to in, in prep for that? Well, quite a lot, to be honest. Um, yeah, so in terms of FFC, we're, we're going all out again this season. We Obviously, we've got the new podcast um, with Ed and Dan, who host the UCL Fantasy Pod, and we're going to be kind of releasing those every match day to cover all the usual topics and stuff. But if you prefer kind of written content, 
and and then that is where most of my work goes into so the top picks top picks for each um each match so that takes several hours to put together but it's um it's really it's really kind of rewarding to be honest and, and also it's um it's kind of essential going into the week because you kind of need to know who the best players are right so that all so the top picks that covers all the best goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and forwards for any given week. We're also kind of doing stuff like the best differentials, the best enablers, um, which turned out to be really important this season because there's kind of the big, big strikers are all really expensive, so and there's not much in midfield. So, yeah, we really need the budget enablers. We also put together a team for um, for kind of drafts and, and team reveals, so we have like an expert team there revealing their teams on a, on a weekly basis we've got a couple of new articles coming out a best limitless team the best wildcard team so we've got loads and loads coming out um for champions league fantasy this season and i've also created a fixture ticket and that should be in the ucl tab on the home page of fsc so busy busy week yes and that's a good fixture ticker as well i'm just gonna throw that in it's a good one uh, so that's on, so on Twitter or X, that's at Fantasy UCL Pod. So that's um, definitely want to check out. Uh, big week coming up, I guess. I'm, um, I'm going to pick a UCL squad for the first time, actually, because I, I never normally play the game. Um, and it's completely unrelated to Newcastle being in there before you say. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, for work reasons, just wanted to get in there. And yeah, it's it's interesting that some of the rules, some of the different rules I quite like. The, the fact that you can sort of switch between the days, that sort of rewards the active managers. Um, if there was something like that in FPL, like I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it would certainly sort of separate the actives from the more casual managers. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot in there's a lot to kind of it, it feels like there's a lot to wrap your head around with with Champions League fantasy, but it's so simple once you understand it. It's it's a very easy game to understand. Okay, there's a bit of micromanagement in the week to do, but it's not really a lot. You're basically subbing off players who have failed to return points or swapping your captain. So it's, you know, there's not there's not loads of loads of changes. There's a couple of different chips really fun well one different trip the limitless so yeah the, the, i don't think it's kind of strangely um different from fpl and i do think there's um i do think it's a great game and, and probably the game that i enjoy the most personally yeah it's it is pretty similar it is really like i say limitless is just like the free hit chip but without any budget so you could genuinely get the 15 most expensive players if you wanted for one week and yeah, and there's also a reward for some of the defensive midfielders, isn't there? Is it ball recoveries? Is that what they call it? Yes, yes. So it's um, you nice. get a point for every free ball recoveries, which is usually great and makes the kind of, you know, those central defensive midfielders and centre-backs much more appealing. Whereas in FPL, you would tend to avoid um, the, 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 the centre-backs or definitely uh, even more so the central midfielders. Someone like so someone like Rodri, who by the way is also getting goals now, could be mm. could be yeah. interesting, a bit of all that. Uh, but anyway, the main topic I was thinking about for this week is uh, it was mentioned on a on an article on Fantasy Football Scout actually that the clean sheets, where have they gone? Where have the clean sheets gone? Uh, in FPL, 
the first four game weeks have only produced 14 clean sheets, and that is the lowest number in decades. The last two seasons, by this point, we had 21 and 26. So it's quite a sharp decline. Uh, Man City and Tottenham are the only sides with two of them. Eight teams are still to still to get any. And one of the things is to maybe explore why that is, because is 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 it just is there other logical reasons as to why that's happened, or is it just a fluke? We we are getting increased stoppage time these days, aren't we? That could be one. Yeah, yeah, there's so many factors, isn't that, as, as to why um, there could be, you know, there's a lack of clean sheets. And I think there's a lot of defence I, I haven't seen, I have to say I haven't seen a defence that has convinced me this season at all. Mm-hmm. Um, usually there's two or three teams that stand out and look at them and think, OK, they look solid, they're probably going to keep clean sheets. And I mean, the only team that look like they're going to, that, that could potentially do that or look like they're going to, um, kind of turn things around and keep loads of clean sheets. It's probably Man City, but even then, you know, they're still. They 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 did this last season, didn't they? Where they conceded, um, they they had the best defensive stats underlying data in the league, and they kind of every time every time they conceded a big chance, they would concede. So, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Um, you know, there's a lot of defenses that are underperforming. I'd even say, you know. But you look at the likes of um, Wolves and Everton. You know that okay, they they they're not they're not the best defensively, but you'd still expect more from them. You know, Wolves have have tended to be quite in the middle of the table in terms of defence, but they're one of the worst this season in terms of some of the data they're conceding. Mm. Everton again, Everton. I think his I think one of their biggest issues is obviously Jordan Pickford, who's one of the worst for XG prevented this season so there's a lot of different factors why teams are keeping less clean sheets and and and, and it, you could take into account lots of different reasons for that well that's, ultimately yeah i was just gonna say sorry that jordan pickford is is an interesting example because he had that bad game against sheffield united you know the, there was no goal there was generally just yeah apart from some great injury time saves a lot of fpl managers ended that match just thinking right i'm sorry pickford I've had enough. He has to go. But then by the end of the weekend, you look around and like nobody's keeping clean sheets. So he's he's not even the biggest emergency in most teams right now because who who are you going to move Pickford to really? Well, that's it, isn't it? There's 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 not a lot of keepers who who kind of and I suppose a lot of people are looking to wildcard in nine and ten, aren't they? And and they're looking at the kind of what what they're going to get from a keeper transfer. And the, the fact is there's there's never many points between goalkeepers um, over short-term periods. Is that you know the chances of one getting a huge, huge haul is very unlikely. So the 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 kind of gap between points tends to be what four points a keeper that keeps a clean sheet to one that doesn't. And and then if you do swap keepers, you kind of have to hope that the next week that that same keeper um, outscores the one you sold. And I just don't think there's there's enough. Um, to convince me in there that a goalkeeper transfer is is worth it until until your wildcard, to be honest. And another reason, as well as the increased stoppage time, maybe adds another five five or so minutes to a match. Um, it feels like more teams are quite fearless, and that the managers in general are better better tacticians. Like 
the smaller teams aren't really acting like smaller teams. The 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 as I say, fearless. So that if that's what the landscape is right now, um, should if if we accept that there's just going to be fewer clean sheets because of that, because teams are getting more modern and clever and stuff, should FPL managers should we? I don't know. Do we just aim to get? A bunch of cheap defenders and give up and move the money elsewhere, or or does this just emphasise how important the great attacking defenders are? I think you've got a good point for both, actually, um, because I mean to start with, I think it's very likely that everyone moving forward goes with a back three. Um, there's not a lot of standout defender options anyway, is there, right? So yeah. it's it's kind of one of those situations like where there's, there's not many clean sheets, there's not many options to go with anyway. So I think you're, you're pretty much stuck in a back three. But I, I suppose it's different when you look at different, you know, different players, isn't it? Because if you're buying a defender, you, you, moving forward, you need them to have attacking threat, you know. You look at the likes of Chilwell, who's playing left wing. That's probably set to continue. So, you know, he's probably someone you're going to want to hold on to. Udogi, um, you know, fixtures may be tough coming up, but Tottenham are joint highest for clean sheets so far, and he has got some attacking threat. So I think it's maybe less of a case of looking at fixtures and and more of a case of looking at attacking threat, potentially, um, especially from my point of view anyway. You know, Esther Pinan as well. For example, he comes up against United next, and I'm thinking about starting him ahead of Saliba. Spoiler alert! But you know that's the type of kind of um, path of thinking we 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 as managers could potentially be taking moving forward. I was thinking the same sort of thing with Esther Pinan because, as someone who bought Ruben Diaz a couple of weeks ago and has sort of immediately regretted it because, yeah, Man City somehow found a way to concede. They did this habit that they have of having great underlying numbers, but but still finding a way to always concede. Well, they've, they've let in goals to Sheffield United and Fulham, so Diaz away to West Ham, you think, well, I'd probably rather have Estepinian's incredible attacking abilities at Old Trafford, because if that's the way the season is going, if that's the way it's going to be, then it's it's less about fixtures and more about how far the fullbacks get forward, because Chilwell, he's the defender with most attacking returns, most chances created, big chances uh, created, penalty area touches. He's, he's number one over all of those. So you could say he's fixture-proof when even those with the good fixtures, they even they aren't doing it. Um, you've already mentioned Chilwell there. He's, he's playing as a winger, really. He should have scored goals by now. It, mm. it hasn't quite happened. New Doggy's great as well. There's some other ones. As I mentioned earlier, Christian Romero, he's actually delivered in all matches, whether it's Spurs clean sheets or goals for himself. Um, that that might be one that isn't sustainable, but you you never know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Romero does feel like he's kind of one of those random picks at the start of the season that just does super well. Um, but but yeah, you'd you'd expect that to kind of level out in the end and kind of decline, wouldn't you? Matty Cash is another one that's like he's he's already risen a couple of times in price, but if you got him at four point five, like if you could just get like three or four defenders who are four point five and and can do what he does, wow! I mean that 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 could be the answer really because he's he's number one for shots, big chances, on target, and expected goal involvement of the defenders. He's like 
Cash, Chilwell, and Nesta Pinion are basically the three dominant ones in, in terms of underlying stats. And Emery's sort of using him as a right winger because he used to be that at Forest at the start anyway. Um, and he didn't quite do it at Anfield because the the sort of Diego Carlos had to um, go off and then Cash was moved back into defence. But yeah, once Villa's games get good around sort of game week eight or so cash the only thing that could stop him really being a huge option is european rotation because villa are back in europe but um if if emery was to say something about i don't know matty's in my team every week then then we'd all be on him right (laughs) yeah i mean one kind of side piece to that is if for anyone did want to do some surgery in defence, then I do potentially think there is um, leeway to go with kind of a Cash and Rico Henry double up. Because if you look at the fixtures, Villa play Palace next, um, but Brentford play Newcastle. And then so and then Villa play Chelsea, but then Rico Henry plays, plays Everton. Um, Mike Cash plays him, but Rico Henry plays Nottingham Forest. In game week seven, then in game week eight, Cash can play Wolves, and um, Rico Henry can be benched for Manchester United. So there is a there is a nice little rotation um, between um, Matty Cash and a Brantford defender, e.g. Um, Rico Henry. So that that would probably be one kind of area I could decision I could go into, um, but obviously with the Newcastle fixtures coming up. Um, it could be maybe difficult to go there without a wild card. Yeah, that's that seems to be one of the certainly going into next week. That seems to be the uh, the big question for managers. Maybe Brentford at home for Newcastle isn't what you would call a good fixture, but certainly from game week six onwards, Newcastle defenders. Um, in my opinion, I'm a bit critic. Do you know how some fans are sort of a bit too overly critical of their own club? Yeah, so I'm sitting there going, really? Like I'm watching them every week, and I'm just not seeing it. Like only two clean sheets in 22 league matches, and you know, just like collapsed at Bre- uh, Brighton and sort of thrown it away against Liverpool. Like there's there's not a lot of confidence in that backline anymore. But the fixtures are superb. Like in the next eight. Newcastle face Sheffield United, Burnley, Wolves, and Bournemouth, amongst them, and that that's if if um if you're struggling to use your transfers, um and there's not many fires to put out, and you you're in that lucky position, then yeah, like why not get a Newcastle? Because one of the stats that I found interesting was despite losing three from four against very hard opponents, Newcastle have conceded the joint fewest big chances. In the whole league, they've only conceded four big chances. That's joint lowest with Man City. Mm. Uh, considering the fixtures, that's a huge surprise, and it could indicate that it could be the same good defense of last season. They've just been unlucky with the fixture order. How essential do you think it will be to own one? Well, just going back to your fixtures. I mean, you have played some of the toughest attacks in the league right you know you've got the likes of Brighton Liverpool Manchester City and Aston Villa so they're firstly they are four teams who 
you'd back to score going into most games, you know, against any opponent, right? So I think, yeah, we should we should probably acknowledge that the fixtures were really, really, really tough. But yeah, I mean, moving forward, it's um it's very kind of easy to look at Newcastle um, and think, yeah, I want to I want a piece of the defense because you know you've already mentioned you you play two promoted teams in the next three, although Brentford aren't ideal. Like I I, I can't I don't really if you could wait one week to bring in a Newcastle defender, then I probably would. I mean, if you've got two free transfers this week and nothing else to do, then then yeah, great. Bring in a Newcastle defender, potentially bench them and bring them in next week before you know the prices start to rise. But yeah, overall, I think the Newcastle defence is, is is probably somewhere that I'm going to be looking at. And the next question after that, because once managers have decided, hey, maybe maybe I'll get onto a Newcastle defender, it's it's which one? Because unlike last year when Keeman Trippier started at five million, the, this, there's now a big gap between. 6.5 Trippier and sort of 4.5 Botman, 5 million share. So there's, there's genuinely a question there of, okay, well, do I go for Trippier's crosses? And he was a he was a magnet last year for things like bonus points. Or does Champions League rotation, like will Livramento start the occasional game over Trippier? Maybe that was the plan between that Livramento sign and does that damage Trippier as an asset? And then you see how many like Fabian Cher was, it was crazy that he only ended on one goal last season because he was the number one defender last year for shots, uh, big chances, shots on target. He was, mm. he was getting loads of them. He was ahead of everybody else. He scored on the opening day and that was it. So there's part of you there that thinks, well, he's definitely due a goal. And then Sven Botman had quite, out of all the defenders, not to score last season. He was the one that had most shots. So, Sharon Botman were the two biggest XG underachievers in defense. So for a couple of million less than Trippier, could it be better to, to get one of those two or do you go for Trippier's reliability? Well, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because this season, is, is it feels different to seasons of old because it feels like that we've, as managers, we have a lot more money to play around with. Um, at the moment, I, I think I've got about two million or, or one point eight sat in the banks, and 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 for me, that is quite quite a weird place to be in because I've always utilised most, if not all, of my budget. So I think it's totally team dependent, obviously, like everything is. But I think if you've got the money, then why not? Because it, you know, we look at the options. Um, look at some of the options coming up available and um, the template is quite strong isn't it you know the likes of Rashford, Bruno, Madison we, you know we've all got the kind of best picks already in our teams so especially before a lot of managers wild card anyway I think if you're going to pick one um, it, it, it definitely depends on budget um, because we know how good Trippy can be in terms of distribution and, and, and bonus and stuff so for me, obviously, if I, if I had loads of money, then I would happily upgrade um, to Trippier at, at six point five. But also at the same time, I'm you know I'm completely against going for a cheaper option like Botman or Shaw, um, you know, four point five and five. So totally budget dependent. Um, I'm happy with any of them 
if that makes sense. Um, mm. Yeah. If you're a team that has both both Haaland and Salah, or are planning to get Salah soon, that that probably puts you in the cheaper in the sort of bottom and share category. Um, yeah. But if 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 you're a manager who's committed to not getting Salah going forward and spreading that money around, then then as you say, like the money is there to go Trippier, and then it, then after that, the only issue is does how manages minutes now with now he's added a bit more depth to the back line and to be fair that could be the same for Botman as well um the, the back four of, of those and Dan Byrne they started 31 of the 38 league games last season there was like no rotation but now um Livermento's come in Lewis Hall's come in um you know Dan Byrne could occasionally come in as left center back not that that went well against Brighton but uh even there. So Cher doesn't really have competition for right center back. There is Jamal LaSalle's, I guess, but uh in some ways you could say Cher might be a safer pick. But then he's mm. there's always a injury. It always feels like he's a couple of games away from from limping for a few minutes and then he shakes it off. And then he limps yeah. and then he shakes it off. It's a really tough one, to be honest. And as you say, I would probably try and give it one more week. Um, just to get more information before going for yeah. one. Yeah, pretty much. I think it's all about kind of seeing how they do against Brantford. They've got again, they've got some great. You've got Newcastle. have got some great fixtures coming up, and and yeah, a lot of people are looking at wild cards in around eight or nine anyway, aren't they? So for those for those with the money, you could go for Trippier and then wild card around nine or ten and bring. Uh, maybe a Botman in with Salah or something. Yeah, there's 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 mm-hmm. a few things, a few options available there. Well, speaking of wild cards, um, we asked you, the fantasy football community, to send us some questions on Twitter. Um, just ahead of game week five, and well, I've got a couple for you. One of them is a specific one, but first of all, various replies were asking about wild carding this week. Would you would you recommend a game week five wild card? I mean, as as always, it depends on each team, doesn't it? it it's, yeah, it's team specific, but but there are pros and con, cons to generally using it at this time. Yeah, I mean, if look, if you if you're not happy with your team and and there's a lot of kind of or you've got a lot of fires or injuries or you're missing a lot of the kind of template performing players, then the wild card, you know, it, it's it can be it's used for that reason, isn't it? And it, again, an early wild card never hurts anyone. In fact, it can be really beneficial sometimes to someone's season. So, yeah, I do, I do think an early wild card would be would would benefit. You know, if you if you're careful, you know, you you plan it out properly and stuff. But I would say that um that game week nine around game week nine and ten really does look like maybe potentially a better time to wildcard if you're if you can hang on with the team that you've got you know obviously Liverpool's fixtures get better as well Chelsea's get worse um and then obviously Man City's fixtures get a bit tougher as well so there's there's a few fixture swings around game week nine and ten where personally I'll be looking to use my wildcard I'm quite happy with my team at the moment in fact I can't even yeah Think of it. I can't even use my own free transfers. <laughs> hmm. I'm lucky for some, but but yeah, I think in terms of the wild card, you know, there's there's no 
there's no kind of specific time we should be using it. There are obviously fixture swings and stuff we have to take into account, like around game week nine, as mentioned before. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry about um, kind of using the wild card too early. Yeah, there's always pros to like generally using it now. It could be seen as a proactive move, and that's a positive word, isn't it? Being proactive, yeah. but uh, you can do things like um, improve the cheapies because you know Turner might be in danger, things like that. So your your sort of bench players could be boosted, increase team value. Um, there's no more transfers going ahead in in real life, so you don't have to worry about that anymore but yeah a lot of the times i don't know maybe some people just want to do it out of boredom maybe i don't know the international break is just that's wild card but maybe don't need to but then of course some teams do need to and they've probably been very unlucky they've, they've probably had all of shaw gabriel reese james tyrone mings they've probably had all of them and joe pedro mm-hmm. and, and just want to Speaking of Jao Pedro, there is a question from Matthew Hill that, that basically asks, should he sell Watkins or Jao Pedro to bring in Alvarez or Carlton Morris? What would you... Well, I mean, the, the, the issue, like Carlton Morris has got some nice fixtures coming up. The only issue is, is that we haven't seen a lot from him. I think he's got around 0.07 XG so far. I'd have to double check that, but that is really, really bad. Um, so I wouldn't be selling probably uh, the likes of Watkins, who is an who is a 90 minute man. You know, he's he's in good form, or at least he's returning most of the matches that he's played so far. Three out of four, I think. So, I think if you were going to sell one of them to switch over to Carlton Morris, then I do think Jao Pedro is probably probably the best bet. I just don't like the fixtures, you know, for Brighton, you know, United, Villa, Liverpool, Manchester City. So, for me, I think I would probably um, do the straight swap over, you know, swap the budget kind of strikers over. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that sounds about fair, doesn't it? Well, um, thanks for answering those. And that's probably a good place to wrap up. And it's been a pleasure having you on this pod, Lewis, as always. Thanks for your expertise. And please make sure to check out FF Community's improved website, which covers fantasy games, but all sorts of other areas, but especially Champions League this week. Uh, lots and lots of Champions League uh, coverage there to check out. Give us a follow on Twitter at FFCommunity underscore. And we hope to see you back here next week. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.